us how are you all doing i know it's been a really long gap after the last episode now i've been thinking about that a bit you know we're talking to all these wonderful leaders and they are also busy mind you so we have to kind of adjust to their schedule and it doesn't always work according to mine so i have decided not to box this in a cadence that i can commit to sometimes you have more than one in a month sometimes you may have just one sometimes you can even have more so we'll just go by that but i can tell you we have some wonderful leaders lined up in the coming weeks all right with that let's jump straight into this conversation with this amazing leader i can tell you there is a lot to learn so make sure you're taking notes come join me today's guest ladies and gentlemen is someone who i worked with at the start of my foray into technology and i have learned so much working with her she says that she had keen interest in technology as she grew up but realized that leading people was her passion so she started managing teams at a very young age and has led various technology and business transformation projects she likes to work and thrive on the challenges that are thrown at her with a make it happen attitude she's charismatic approachable committed influential and has demonstrated a great track record of successful outcomes on the personal front she lives with her partner jay in derbyshire in the uk along with two fur babies dixie and dotty she also mentors various women in technology to help them become successful in their careers she's currently the transformation program director at capita it services please welcome michelle campbell Oh, thank you for such a lovely introduction, Insha. I feel really good about myself now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you deserve every bit of it, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Insha. So, I guess before we start, I'd just like to confirm that the views and opinions expressed are solely my personal views, and they are not those of Capitas or its employees. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing that, Michelle. All right. <laughs> Let's get started with something I've been very curious as I looked through through your resume recently. Um you have done so many different roles and I know it's not easy switching uh jobs and uh domains for that matter. I have done that personally so I know that. Uh how have you made those decisions? Is there a formula that you uh, <laughs> have when you do those decisions yeah i guess there is really so i think when i look back at the decisions i've made and the roles that i've chosen to do um i think 
I'm probably in the minority that I tend to choose my next move based on a large percentage of that job description being out of my comfort zone. Because I think that's when you really start to grow. And what motivates me at work really um, underlying is that I'm learning. So if I look at a job description and I think I can do 70 to 100% of that job description, I just dismiss it because I think I've been there, I've done that, I'm not going to learn, I'm not going to grow. And So I think the choices I've made have always been based on, I think I've got transferable skills. I think I can, you know, bring positive outcomes to the role, but also there's a large percentage of what I'm going to do, which will be new and different and a challenge for me. So, but I've noticed what I do is I go through this cycle and I have a cycle where I start a new role. And because I choose roles where I'm really out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. I spend probably six months in a bit of a panic <laughs> <laughs> and the imposter syndrome takes hold. And I think, oh, have I made the right decision? Can I do this? You know, and you know that's perfectly normal um, when you take new challenges on. And then I sort of reach a point where I think, actually, I'm really enjoying this. I'm adding value. I'm, ma- I'm making a difference. And then the next part of the cycle tends to happen when I just know it's time to move on because I know <laughs> what I'm doing day to day. I'm no longer learning. There's maybe nothing left to fix or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just reached a bit of a, a natural end. So I think that's why I'm, I'm four years into my current role. Um, in program director and the reason it's still engaging for me is every single program is different so it doesn't matter you know from three to six months I'll be doing something completely different every single time and that that really keeps me motivated and engaged so yeah I think that's if I'm honest and I look back that's where I've kind of constantly changed sure yeah I can so much relate to that Michelle you know the 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 time when you start feeling should i be looking out for something else is getting too easy for me mm. yeah yeah some it, it depends what motivates you some people you know are, are, are like to be in their comfort zone and like to you know do what they do day to day and they're quite happy and they don't want to climb the ladder or and you know that's fine everybody's everybody's different but for me i've realized deep down that's what makes me want to get out of bed and come to work every day is that i'm learning something new and they're almost expanding my own capability mm-hmm. yeah yeah it also talks to uh how much risk can you tolerate right in, yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in your professional and personal uh, uh, roles basically you know and, and everybody has a has a threshold I feel yeah do you know what though I think you have to I'm a, I'm a great believer in you know you have to back yourself and I think I have this sort of attitude sometimes when I sometimes feel a little bit overwhelmed I think what's the worst that could happen you know it's really easy to sort of get carried away in your own mind sometimes when you feel a bit overwhelmed and I think you know sometimes you look at the sort of really big picture and it just consumes you and overwhelms you and you just sort of have to take a step back and take a breath and you know really break things up into um, sort of activities that you can you know you know see what's in front of you and take the next step so yeah mm-hmm. i think you know you you don't want to go and do a job where 100 of the job description is completely alien to you um and none of your transferable skills are going to help you 
But I think there's an awful lot of transferable skills that you can take as a leader into sort of different roles. And that, I guess that's what I've done, really. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the good part of being a leader, because there are so many transferable skills. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, leading people, I think, is... Um, I've always said I think it's one of the most challenging things you can ever do in your career. Um, it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do and you are constantly learning, which is what makes it quite good fun for me. Yep. Because um, everybody's different. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You'll always find that one completely unique person who you have oh. to kind of yeah, test your skills with. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have those challenges come along where you're sat thinking, I just don't know what to do with this one, you know, I, yep. I'm lost. Um, but again, that's, that's. but you come out the other side of it and that's where you can look back and, you know, you learn and you grow and you become a better leader for those challenges. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you've been in leadership roles for a major part of your career. I think you made that switch pretty early. So how do you think you have evolved as a leader? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's quite interesting, actually, because when, when I... Um, thought about that the other day I thought my my first role as a what I would consider a leader was when I was 21 I was really young Mm -hmm. um and I was just thrust into that position I didn't really have any coaching any mentoring um and I look back and think if I'm honest I didn't really have a clue what I was doing I just made it up as I went along (laughs) And and when I look back I think I've evolved so much because you know I made a lot of mistakes um and I'm not perfect now every day is an opportunity to learn and grow and um but I think when I was younger I think because it was new and it was different and I didn't really have anybody to sort of teach me the way I think I took my position as a leader and just hoped that because I was in charge, the team would just do what I asked because I had a position of authority. Um, And I think when I really think about that, I think that was just driven by fear. And um, But I think now, I think, you know, I'm much more of a well-rounded leader. So given the experience that I've had in all the different roles, I've now got a good commercial background, I've got operations, I've dealt with clients, I've done a lot with ITIL, you know, I've set up service design and I've sort of become much more of a well-rounded person with my own knowledge and that's really helped me to sort of support my team when making decisions. And then if if I don't know how to get the support that they need, then I use the relationships that I build in organisations to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, also much calmer. Um, I've learned from my mistakes around, um, I think when I look back when I was quite young, if I felt really stressed out or overwhelmed by something, I know I could be a bit snipey. Um, And again, it was just driven by fear. And I I don't mind admitting that because I think, you know, you've got to be able to look back and understand maybe where you didn't do things quite as well as you do today and reflect on them. Um, But yeah, I think now it's, it's your emotional intelligence, I think, um, that really drives good leaders um, mm-hmm. and your sort of willingness to support and look after your teams. So now as a leader, my teams, are, <clears throat> whether it be somebody I'm directly line managing or somebody that's a matrix management, I, you know, I have a lot of project managers and business analysts and things that I work with now. And for me, my primary role when I work with them is to support them. That's what I'm there to do. Um, 
And I think that's, you know, very different to how I was sort of 20, 25 years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, that it, it is a journey of evolution and, and learning. And, and I feel that you could have attended a number of trainings uh, of managing people, but <laughs> when you're actually in the role and and face to face with individuals it's a completely different story oh absolutely it's a i think for me managing people is that classic you don't learn until you do it mm-hmm. um and i remember in um one of my previous roles we used to have like this we created almost like this um it was like a sort of manager's guide around hr practices mm-hmm. and part of my sort of coaching and mentoring was to go through um with sort of seniors or team leaders or operations managers, all of the different, you know, things that you need to consider from a HR perspective. But ultimately, I used to say to them, until you're actually sat in a room with someone in those situations, you know, you're dealing with human beings. You don't know what they're gonna say. You can't, you know, you can prepare, but you never know what's going to happen. And it just comes with time and experience and actually putting yourself in those positions And what I used to do with some of our um, younger team leaders was I would actually, part of the coaching and mentoring was, I'd let them run those meetings, but I would just sit there as support and background um, and sort of give them some feedback afterwards. But you really just have to throw yourself into it. (laughs) It's not something you can read a book and go on a course and, you know, you're going to become a great leader. (laughs) It's just time. um, And I think you just have to be able to recognise um, and look at your previous roles and admit your mistakes as well because otherwise you'll never grow you'll never change and you'll never learn um, so yeah that's why I don't mind saying I look back you know sometimes I look back at my younger leadership roles and I almost cringe I think oh god why did you do that or why did you say that <laughs> or you know um, <clears throat> but again it's, it's just part of the learning experience and you know it's okay to make mistakes you just have to make sure you're learning from them yeah, sure. One thing I remember is, uh, like you mentioned, that people, you expect that people would just listen to you and because you are in a position of authority. And I remember kind of <laughs> realizing that very early that it doesn't work that way and that you're just facilitating and, you know, just just removing roadblocks at the most. It's, it's rest. I think people have to just be willing to to do things uh, it doesn't just doesn't happen by by force no it doesn't um you know and i think you have to earn respect of your team um you need to do what you say you're going to do you need to support them and you need to make them realize that you're there to help and i think once you start to show that um <clears throat> You know, you get a lot. Your team will want to work for you and want to support you and want to deliver. Um, if you just sit in your ivory tower dishing out orders and not really <clears throat> being there to help or support them, people will just get demoralised. Yep. Um, and they decide, you know, that they just, you know, people will give you a hundred percent if you give it to them. But if you're giving them twenty and expecting a hundred out of them, it's not going to last. That's true. Okay, um, changing gears a little bit. Mm. So you are part of 
uh, you you've been part of uh, various service delivery organizations and that i feel is a unique combination of one managing your own people and then you're managing clients as well right uh, and this at times can be conflicting priorities yeah. how do you strike balance between those um it's an interesting one actually but i think really it just boils down to being open and honest um i think you need to be open and honest with both your client and your team um and to almost take both of them on that journey with you um and going back to what i just said earlier you know you've got to earn the trust and respect mm-hmm. um if you both your client and your team and the way you're going to do that is by delivering positive outcomes um but you need to constantly communicate you need to tell everybody why um why am i asking you to do this you know what's the impact to the customer if we don't do it um so i think it's that constant two-way communication so sometimes the client in many cases if the client's upset about something you can guarantee that it's also affecting the team because it just isn't working for either so right. actually what you do is is actually bring in a positive outcome to the team and to the customer um so yeah i think it's just that um ability to really communicate and be open and honest about what you're trying to achieve and why you're doing what you're doing you've got to give the why um because then it it brings everybody on board on that journey right but yeah it can be conflicting but as i said i think you know most of the times you find that whatever's causing pain to the customer also just doesn't work internally there'll be a reason that there's a pain for the customer and yep. you'll go to your team and it turns out the process is just completely broken and it's just as frustrating for the team as it is the customer you know um so yeah, yeah. i think most of it most of the time really when you get boiled down to it it's not really as conflicting as you perhaps think it is you just need to and if it is then you need just need to explain the why and under, you know make sure the team understand the bigger picture true true so is there is there a story uh, that you can tell us around those um you know like those conflicting priorities and how did you bring those both of those together trying to get uh dig deeper into a situation and trying to address problems on both sides yeah so um i'm going to go back to a role in my career that um i think i would even now say is probably one of my it's my favorite role that i've ever done in my career so i want to tell you a story about a team um, that i joined which i very quickly realized they were in this cycle of just too busy to improve or change anything mm. so i took a role as an operations director um and it was a team of around 65 people and this was a really out of the comfort zone move for me because it was my first role where it wasn't IT i'd always worked in IT before whereas right. this was like a back office team so it was a split of like finance credit control project managers administration and then we had like a customer service help desk and on the whole it was like it was a really complex organization um so yeah it was but i looked at it and i thought okay it's not a service desk which is where you know 
I've lived and breathed previously. But there's got to be some commonality and I've got to have some transferable skills, but also I'd be really good to test my own leadership in something completely different. Um, so I went in there and quickly realised that the team had sort of grown at speed. They won a contract um, and they just evolved everything really, really quick to get this operation up and running. Um, and it just got to the point where it was literally at breaking point. You know, the day-to-day -day processes just weren't working. They weren't efficient. The client was unhappy. The team were unhappy. And that was one of those moments, I think, where I had that initial overwhelming feeling of, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? This is, this is huge. This is so complicated. There's so much to do. Um, so I really sort of had to, you know, sit back and not allow myself to get overwhelmed by it, but see it as a really good opportunity to uh, make my mark and to actually help the client and the team. Um, so I, I spent probably two to three weeks um, when I first joined and I literally just sat with every single team uh, I would roll around the office on my chair. They used to always laugh at me for rolling around the office on my chair from team to team. Um, and I would just shadow them. I just sat with each each team and I just tried to understand what they did. Um, what was it that they did? What did it mean to the client? Um, and just really listen to them because you find with a lot of roles that the people on the ground doing the work, they know what's broken. And nine times out of 10, they also know how to fix it. Right, and right. they're just sat there day in, day out, getting more and more frustrated and annoyed because they don't have any power to make the change. Um, and it became really clear to me quite quickly that I had this really hard working management team. Um, so I had like an operations manager and I had some team leaders and they were working really, really long hours. And they were running around that office all day, every day, just firefighting. And I think every day just blurred into the next. Mm. So I sort of looked at it all and thought, okay, if I'm not careful, I could become part of that problem. I could roll my sleeves up and just throw myself into that firefighting. And I'll just be somebody else that's too busy to actually make a difference here because it would have been very easy for me to do that. You know, a lot was really creaking at the seams and the client was making a lot of noise. Um, so I decided that I had to be that sort of leader and take myself out of the constant firefighting and take the more sort of holistic view and understand what the issues were and come up with a plan to address them which took me quite a lot of time. Um, and because it was an organisation I wasn't familiar with, sometimes, you know, when I first started, all the acronyms that you were using and the things they were talking about, sometimes it felt like they were talking another language. Um, so I had a really steep learning curve and understanding how this operation worked. Um, but I just saw so much opportunity. I could see there were so many things that they'd just done that way because it has always been that way and they were too busy to think about how to do it different so um i came up with a plan and i prioritized it and i guess the way i did that was i tried to look at some of the things that were really hurting the customer 
Um, but I also tried to do some quick wins that I felt would get the team on board. Because when I first mentioned to them about doing this plan and the fact that we would need to, you know, spend times in meeting rooms, going through a whiteboard and understanding where the problem was, you could see the panic in their face. Yeah. Because they just thought, I haven't got time for this. I'm already really busy. How am I going to fit all these meetings in, you know? So I had to really sort of take them on that journey and say, look, but if you just carry on doing what you're doing, nothing's going to change. Whereas if you actually take the time out to look at some of these problems and fix them, that problem will go away and you'll be less busy. <laughs> Which yeah. sounds really simple, but when you're in it, you can't see it. Um, so yeah, I think I, I picked some really quick wins that I knew would help the team significantly because I, I knew that once they saw the outcome, the light bulb moment would happen and they go, actually, I can see where she's coming from. You know, we've done something. I mean, I, I think if I gave you an example, we had a we had a team that we used to hire a certain part of the part of the year. We'd have to go and get fifteen temps for, for eight weeks to do this administration process. And in an already really busy operation, it's very challenging for a leader to go through all the pain of interviewing and you know onboarding and all of that sort of stuff. And when I looked at it. We just had all these people inputting data. It was something we could really quickly automate. Mm. Um, and I think it cost us about 2K. We got a supplier to come in, we automated it. And that, that huge annual problem with very little spend and very little effort just went away. Right. Um, and the team, you could see the light bulb moment. It was. <laughs> you could just see it in there okay i understand what she's trying to do um and they did find it difficult you know i was constantly sort of taking really big issues and i would sit them in a room with a whiteboard and i'd say right talk me through that entire process i want to know why you do what you do and sometimes i'd say to them why do you do that when we get to certain po points of the process and they'd all look at each other and they'd say do you know what? I can't remember why we do that. We just, it's just what we've always done. I said, well, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. I don't think we need that part of the process. And you could see them going, yeah. And you know what? A lot of the time they made my job easy because they knew, they knew themselves how to fix all these issues. They were just so consumed in the work that they just didn't have that moment to take a step back so all I was really doing was making them stop and really take some time to reflect and get them off that wheel of being too busy to actually make any changes or fix anything now don't get me wrong that came with its challenges because you know some days we had to work really long hours to make these things happen. Um, mm -hmm. Some days we'd have to cancel those meetings because there was a genuine fire going on. Um, but I just saw that as my job really in there was to sort of guide them and lead them. But also it was all about coaching because I needed to know that when I walked away, they were then really strong leaders themselves and wouldn't end up back in that position. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, when I think about what we did, I think the plan was a real mixed bag. It was looking at ways to improve the service to the client, 
but also making the operation more efficient. You know, I think I'm a strong believer in you need to get the real foundations in place with teams because if you build on sand, it will eventually collapse. <laughs> so some of the things I wanted to do, the guys just thought were really basic and they didn't understand why I was doing them. Um, but you know, you know yourself, Usha, from working with teams, it's those real things, you know, the simple things, if you don't get them right, they'll eventually catch you. So I went right back to the drawing board of, do we have job descriptions? Do people know what's expected of them? You know, do they have regular engagement with their managers? If they got one-to-ones, if they got appraisals, do they have a route for suggesting improvements? Do they know that, you know, they're empowered to actually tell us when something isn't working and coming up with ideas? Um, so, you know, some of the stuff we did probably seemed really basic, but actually when I got to the end of it and looked back, a lot of some of those real basics were what made the huge difference. Um, right. And that coaching piece was huge because we had um, an operations manager and she was so knowledgeable. She knew everything about everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it literally got to the point where she just had 65 people tapping her on the shoulder constantly. How do I yeah. do this? I've got this problem I've got. And she just ran around like an absolute headless chicken. And. Um, I remember saying to her one day, you know, you've got four team leaders. I was like, you need to start teaching them what you know. Mm-hmm. Because currently you've got 65 people coming directly to you. And those team leaders, when they come to you for help, you just do it for them. Mm. But actually, if you taught those four team leaders what you know, you would stop that traffic and you would get to a point where the queries that come to you become infrequent just yeah having that sort of ability to sort of sit back and view what was going on and they were just so in it they couldn't see it um and i guess also i think the other thing i would like to say is i was really fortunate because i went in as the operations director but i was part of like a senior leadership team mm-hmm. so we had a sales director we had a procurement director a supplier director etc and I've never worked with a team like it. We all just pulled in one direction and supported each other. And the results were just amazing compared to what I'd been used to previously. I mean, don't get me wrong, we debated um, and we didn't always agree, but we were encouraged by RMD to sort of work together to achieve a common goal for the client. And we knew if one part of that jigsaw puzzle didn't work, it reflected on the whole service to the client. So I was really fortunate in that, you know, I walked into a senior leadership team that knew I was taking on this challenge of something that was really quite broken. And I just constantly told them what we were doing, what the plan was and where I needed their help as well. You know, we were selling things to clients without much control and then the operation couldn't see what was coming towards them. They couldn't prepare for it. It would hit them like a tornado. You know, so I had to work. My part of my role was working really closely with that senior leadership team to almost protect that operation and the governance that was needed um, to control what was coming at us. Um, So, yeah, it was... (laughs) It was a really, really interesting role. Um, 
and I think I did it for probably three years and I think the first six to 12 months we went after some really big items and once we started to fix some of those big items everybody just got on board the client got on board the senior leadership team got on board everybody could see what we were doing and the you know the improvements that were made you know we had I think we had something like 4.2 million pounds of age debt and I remember when my manager said to me can you take on credit control and I just laughed I said I don't know anything about credit control <laughs> what am I going to do with that and he said well I do think that it's probably underlying a process issue that we just can't understand where it's going wrong and um you know, I had one of my usual whiteboard meetings and got all the right people in place to understand what was going on. And within six months, we got it down to like 200K, um, which was, you know, a huge success for the operation. Um, yeah. And But again, it, it, it's hard because it, it none of it was rocket science. It really wasn't. It was something just didn't work the way it wasn't effective. And we had to come up with ingenious ideas on how to do it differently um and we did and it worked and it was great you know and then you know we had a we used to have a mystery shopping survey on our help desk i'm sure you can remember those sorts of things from service desk days yep so i used to call our service desk and then write a survey and tell us how rubbish we were basically <laughs> <laughs> and i think when i went in this the score was like 40 percent. it was really bad um, and within 12 months, we turned that into 100%. We got our first ever 100% green mystery shopper. Wow. And the client was just so happy. Um, our SLAs, you know, I used to have like the daily huddles and look at the SLAs and they were just red across the board. Within six months, um, you know, our attrition reduced, our sickness reduced. And then we, I think we had a moment where we hit like an all-time high on our revenue on the account. Um, so, you know, I'm really proud of that job. I look back and I'm really proud of it and I really enjoyed it. But ultimately, I had just such an amazing team around me, but they were just lost. You know, they'd never really done anything like this before and they'd never done those leadership roles. And I just decided it was my job to coach them and mentor them and get them where they needed to be and to, you know, back them and give them the space to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> that a story, really. <laughs> that is phenomenal. What a wonderful story. And thanks for sharing that, Michelle. Really, really awesome. There's so much learning out of that. And I was making some notes as you're talking. Is And I'm just going to bring just kind of repeat them for our listeners as well uh, first is how do you detach from a problem like sometimes you have to just kind of step back so that you can move forward right yes yeah. <laughs> from middle of everything step back and sometimes people feel like the stepping back is actually losing something but it's it's usually actually just helping you to to see a new way of doing things you talked about uh, teaching right because yeah you when you teach others you're actually actually making them proficient for for future right and and teachers 
are leaders then leaders need to be teachers i feel so that they build the legacy and and create more leaders that is so important um and then ask for help because you you talked about you know how you would reach out to other leaders and get support when when you're stuck i think reach out to to peers and to your own team and it can only work through mutual collaboration yeah awesome i think there's so many i I'm, i'm sure there were lot many in that but just a few things that i could catch uh, through the story well thank you so much for sharing that michelle no problem but yeah i think just on that comment there i think you have to remember when you're in leadership roles you're not going to know it all you're not going to have all the answers yep. but the people around you will and you've got to be willing to say i just don't know and i need some help um and i would quite often especially in that role because it wasn't it i didn't really understand the operation for a very long time um mm-hmm. and i was constantly having to just be really open honest with my team and say i don't understand what you just said to me <laughs> i used to say to them explain it to me like i'm a four year old and you know sometimes that taking a step back doesn't have to be as big and scary as it sounds sometimes it was just an hour an hour in a meeting room to go talk me through the process yeah explain to me what you're doing and then i go away and look at it and think i can see where this is falling over i know what we need to do um so you know it's not like you have to get everybody to stop doing what they're doing for 6 months it's just make some prioritization you know don't try and go after the whole thing break it down um go after bits and pieces at a time find out what's important and then and then once you really start to make that difference the team get excited because they can see and and over time i think those meetings that i used to ask them to and sometimes i'd actually drag them off the floor to attend that would be like <laughs> we are talking about this now within sort of 3 to 6 months I'd walk in the meeting room and they'd all be there waiting eager you know ready and excited because they knew we were going to we were going to make a difference right. whereas at the start it was oh here she goes with her meetings again I haven't got time <laughs> for this make her go away <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so yeah but no it was really really good I really really enjoyed that role um and I guess you know if I'm honest the only I think the only reason i left is it reached a point where it was a really nice well-oiled machine and it needed something different it mm-hmm. you know i think it needed somebody that could help it grow from a sales perspective and that wasn't really my area sure um so yeah um and i was very fortunate as well i think to make some lifelong friends in that job as well you know there's a few of the girls that i used to work with that I'm still really good friends with to this day and we meet for dinner etc so yeah it was um it's one yeah. I look back on really fondly yeah wow awesome well any parting thoughts michelle generally on how do we what like maybe your top 3 tips to be a successful leader mm okay so i think One that one thing for me about being a leader is you have to remember that you are dealing with human beings. You know, there is no one size fits all. So any role that I've ever gone into where I'm a leader, one of the very first things that I do is understand who those people are. 
you know what's their personal life what's their situation um what makes them want to get out of bed in the morning what motivates them what keeps their morale up you know you've got to do that with everybody whether it be a client an employee a partner a supplier anybody you're working with you will be more successful as a leader the more you understand about that person and you need to adjust your style depending on who you're working with um that whole one size fits all just doesn't work for me you know i've worked with people before where they just decide you're always going to have a one-to-one once a week you know you're always going to do this daily and we're always going to have a team meeting once a month all you're going to do with that one size fits all is upset 50% of the people because it just doesn't work for everybody. Right. Um, for some people, the idea of being micromanaged will make them crawl into their shell and want to go and work for somebody else. Um, for somebody else, they need it and they like it. So you've got to take that time to understand what your team needs and then adjust your way of working to suit what makes them tick does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i think that's really important that's one thing that i've really learned over the years um and then i think the next thing is that just going back to something we touched on earlier you know respect and trust needs to be earned through your actions as a leader mm-hmm. you can't just go in and decide you're the leader and therefore everybody's going to follow you you need to really earn that respect you need to be there for them if you ask somebody if they're okay and they say no it's then your job to step in and help um i see a lot of that these days you know there seems to be a bit of a tick box going around saying are you okay (laughs) but asking if you're okay is great but what are you doing when they're not (laughs) no (laughs) you know you really have to sort of step in and help out and that's for me, you know, one of the really important things about being a leader. And, and as I said, it doesn't have to be somebody that you're directly line managing. It can be somebody that's working on a project with you. My role is, well, what can I do to help? What do you need me to do to support you? And actually that is where you get the respect and the trust. And once you start to work like that with your teams, they will give you 100% because they yeah. know you're, you're there for them too. Yeah. yeah, be genuinely interested, right? Yeah, to, absolutely. To help. You know, this is this is back to the human being point. We're all people. You know, we're all multifaceted and different, and um, you know, every single person is a different, complex human being with different needs. And that's, I think, for me, a big part of being a leader is understanding those needs of each of your people and then working with them. Um, You know, you don't always get it right and sometimes it's harder to tease out with certain people because maybe they're a little bit introverted and, you know, you have to be careful that you're not overstepping the line and trying to get too into their personal details. But, you know, this is where, going back to what we said before, there's no book that will teach you all of this. You have to sort of really use your own emotional intelligence to um, lean in and understand people. And sometimes with some people it will take a little bit longer um, where some people like me, you know, you know me, Isha, I'm a complete open book. Um, <laughs> it's hard to get me to shut up sometimes, but um, <laughs> yeah, you just have to sort of tease it out of people. Um, yeah, and I think that's what's made things successful. And then I guess thirdly, 
the, the last thing I want to say is try and have some fun. Oh, you yes. Know, don't mm-hmm. take yourself too seriously. You know, that, that story that I told you, as much as it was a really busy, stressful time, it was also one of the funniest parts of my career. We used to sit as in, in our daily huddles sometimes and literally cry with laughter. <laughs> and it was commented on sometimes because we were in an open plan office about how much they could hear us laughing. Because, you know, you're at work a long time every day. Um, so you've got to make it fun. I try in most of my meetings for the first 10 minutes, we're just catching up. Mm-hmm. We're not even talking about work, you know, we're just working out, you know, what people did at the weekend or anything funny that's happened. You know, sometimes I have to say, right, we need to get back on track, but it's really important to have some fun. You know, fun and hard work don't have to be separate. <laughs> you can yes. work really hard and still have a lot of fun along the way. And I think when you do, it's a real sort of key to success when you can do both because everybody's enjoying themselves. That is so true. Hundred percent. Well, I didn't realize how much time we have spoken. It was wonderful <laughs> listening to you, Michelle, and uh, all also catching up with you after so many years. It's absolutely a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today, and wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Usha. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, what do you think? Wasn't that fantastic? There were so many learnings out of that. Just one conversation. I think the bottom line for all you leaders out there is that there is no one size fits all. So don't worry too much. It does come out of experience. But you have to do it to learn it. All right. That's all we have for today. As usual, please follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcast. If you're listening for the first time, join my Facebook group by following the link in the description of the podcast. And I will see you soon. Till then, keep leading the way. Bye.